0: Good afternoon, good evening, my name is Marty Plum and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 183 and I'm excited and I hope you are excited to listen to the one and only Tracy Berg, the head girls basketball coach at O'Neill St. Mary's High School in O'Neill, Nebraska, The, the Irish capital of Nebraska, isn't that correct coach?
1: And that is correct. Uh,
0: all right. So every St. Patrick's Day, they paint the town green. And what what all goes on in O'Neill on St. Patty's Day?
1: Oh, you know, the main thing is the painting of the shamrock on our, um, right there in our intersection of our highway It's supposedly the world's largest shamrock. So that's one of the main things. And then, of course, we have all kinds of concerts and um all kinds of things that go on on St. Patrick's Day. It's just a lot of fun.
0: Just just a festive, festive day. It is a very festive day. V- very and nice. actually,
1: we just painted our shamrock again uh, last night um, to head off our summer fest. Oh. So, obviously, Irish is a very big thing here in O'Neill.
0: Wow. Well, and multiple, uh, <laughs> multiple paintings of the shamrock here. That's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sherman Williams has got to be happy with O'Neill, Nebraska. So that's that's good for them. So uh, before we start diving into basketball and uh, not uh, painting uh, small little uh, Irish little plants, uh, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Truth be told, just about two and a half hours ago, I went in to see Dr. Kevin. Kevin, got a little back work done, feeling good, feeling uh, uh, spry here today as then I sit down and talk for an hour and a half. So, uh, But uh, go check out Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at their practice, KosakChiro, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there if you are listening. Please download, rate, review, go to Apple, go to Spotify, give us a five-star review, tell people about us. If you do that, then when people type in coaching basketball on podcast search, a pen and a napkin moves up the ladder, and we want to help out as many people as we can. So be sure to do that. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandannapkin at gmail.com. And, of course, check out a penandannapkin.com, a coaching website that I hope you will like because I'm the one that made it. So, Tracy Berg. It is a Thursday afternoon. It's the middle of July here. We've got some time to talk some hoops. Uh, we've we're done painting the streets of O'Neill, Nebraska, and now it's time to talk to Coach Berg. Coach, we're doing well today. Kind of wrapped up your summer stuff as we were talking before we started recording. Kind of, uh, how'd your summer go?
1: Uh, our summer went really good. I have a group of girls that are just really um, willing to put in the time, and they've spent a lot of time in the gym this summer, and they've kind of wrapped up their summer, and now they're headed into volleyball, softball seasons, but um, we had a lot of really good camps, and I feel like we got a lot accomplished.
0: Good. Good to hear. So, um, Well, we're going to dive into this team, a couple of the past teams, as we, as we get into the pod here, but before... We do all that. Uh, we'll start this the way we normally started. And Tracy, why don't you tell us a a little bit about yourself, your basketball journey, and 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 uh, you know how you ended up uh, being the girls' basketball coach at O'Neill St. Mary's?
1: Okay. Um, I guess I'll start out, I'm from Taylor, Nebraska, a little small town, mm-hmm. and then I was, and I was a Loop County Wildcat, mm-hmm. gotcha. <laughs> and then I went on to college, I went to Midland, and played basketball there for the Brockers, and then I, um, after that, and Brockers are actually the ones that kind of got me into coaching, mm-hmm. and I started off my career in need, Nebraska, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then um, my husband is a funeral director, and his, he was taking over his dad's business in O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we moved to O'Neill, and that's when I became part of St. Mary's.
0: Gotcha. All right. Um, as a Briarcliff graduate, I will or, you know, <laughs> I will just smile and nod at you as a Midland graduate. I won't hold anything <laughs> against you here. So, um, So, Tracy, I told you I was going to surprise you with one question right um, okay yes. so and I told you it was going to be early so I'm going to give you this opportunity right now all right are you ready i'm ready all right give us the expedia.com pitch as to why one should visit the metropolis of taylor nebraska <laughs>
1: Um, for sure the the village people,
0: yes, I see. okay. I checked now, you're not gonna believe this. I checked out the website of Taylor, Nebraska, and there is a Taylor, Nebraska website. So tell us about the village people.
1: Um, we have a lady who is an artist, and she um is very, very, very talented, and she decided that she was going to try to make as many village people as there are actual people in Nebraska and I believe that she's well on her way. I think she's already made over a hundred wooden village people throughout the town of Taylor, Nebraska.
0: And so there's a there's a navy uh, guy. There's a police officer. There's a (laughs) oh, am I talking? Is it the wrong village people? I apologize. (sighs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> very funny <laughs> yes.
0: yes so uh no it's it's kind of a cool thing there's a, a a micro brewery in town there i think if i remember correctly yes there is yeah so there's there's bootleggers yeah the bootleggers um so it's it's uh it's kind of an interesting little deal There's so it looks like there's some cool stuff out there in loop county so um now were you did you grow up in town or did you grow up outside of town
1: Oh, no, I'm a ranch girl, grew up outside of Taylor, uh-huh. and um, at the time, there was, the school was, It. Was, I mean, it still is just Taylor, but it was, we were just our own school, we're the only town in the whole county, uh-huh. so we're Loop County, we were the Loop County Wildcats, but now they've, Taylor and Sargent go together for sports, and now they're Twin Loop.
0: Gotcha, oh, okay, that's where that comes from, Twin Loop, okay. Yep. Um, you know, in, in all seriousness, you, you grow up on a ranch, and for folks that uh, don't know, uh, I mean, ranching in north-central Nebraska, it's a big it's a big part of the community. Um, like, you know, Taylor's about 200 people, and it's the only town in the entire county, so that tells you kind of how sparsely populated that area is, but you have these massive ranches. Uh, you know, I would think growing up in a situation like that uh, had to do nothing but to help your work ethic as a coach, as an educator, uh, because you know what real hard work is like, and putting in the time in tough situations and circumstances, whether it's it's weather or uh, you know drought or you know just different things that can come into play. You know how much of an effect do you think growing up in that environment has has helped you as a basketball coach?
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent. I feel like both my parents did a really good job of. Teaching me the values of hard work and putting in the time and results. Um, I worked every summer for my dad and for neighbors, um, building fences, um, chasing cattle, working cattle, you name it. I was always outside and asked my mom. I never did any housework or um, cooking, which I still am not that great at, but um, I definitely can work hard and I really carry that over into teaching and coaching and just juggling life
0: so so going into the gym was not work at all it was it was a relief because they, you weren't you were not working I mean, I mean i mean that, i mean that in all seriousness like a lot of kids today uh i, I, I mean i'm painting with, with a broad brush when i say that but you know well i have to go to the gym and you're like I don't have to go <laughs> and work the ranch. I mean, right? Yeah.
1: Sometimes I I was like hoping there was a practice or an open gym so I could go to the gym.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think and and how many of you know probably most of your classmates, uh, people that you grew up with, were kind of in the same boat as you. I would imagine.
1: Yep, absolutely. And so we kind of had to work around our schedules and just make it work and. We all knew how to work hard, and that's kind of what we all did.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I really appreciate you, you talking about this. Uh, and no more surprise questions, at least at this point, Tracy. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, you uh, had mentioned when I when I sent you the stuff to, to fill out for the pod uh, about your husband who was was diagnosed with with cancer, and you actually took a a sabbatical for a year uh, from coaching while he was going through treatments and everything is, is, is good now. Uh, it sounds like, I mean, you know, kind of, uh, I hope I'm not miss misspeaking there, uh, in that regard, but, uh, you know, tell us what kind of that experience was, was like as, as, as a, as a wife, as a coach, as an educator going through that and, and, and how that may have changed some of your philosophies on coaching, on teaching and that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It definitely um, gives you a different perspective on life and kind of reminds you of what's important to you and how important family is. And not take um, each day, you know, just take advantage of it each day. Um, My husband was diagnosed with testicular cancer and he did treatments in 2016. And he did treatments and was... Cancer free, and then um, and also that year he had lots of struggles with um, having some surgeries and he had some problems where actually he was on a feeding tube for three months, oh, and that was all during basketball season. And actually, we went to state that year, and um, it was just juggling hospital, four kids, um, basketball, um, a lot of a lot of craziness, I guess. And then the following year. Um, it came back, and it came back with a vengeance. It was everywhere, and um, we were given the opportunity to go to Indiana, and so that's why I took that year off because we were actually gone. Uh
0: Um,
1: Ryan was treated in Indiana, and he did a stem cell transplant, and it's amazing the new um, technologies and the new innovations that they have come up with um, to help cancer. And so we decided to give this a try and it actually worked. Um, it was an awful process, but, um, it worked and he's doing well and we're so thankful for that.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. That is awesome to hear. Uh, you know, how, how do you think just going through such a life altering situation? I mean, you you can't like I said you can't not be affected by that in in, in a lot of different ways. How do you think? Uh, what are some of the biggest ways that you think that's changed you as you approach your team, as as you approach practice, as you just everything that it goes into being a coach?
1: I 100 percent think that it has definitely changed me, and I have really changed the way that I coach as well. I mean, I feel like I have a little bit more compassion in my heart um i also feel like i kind of understand a little bit more when someone tells me that they have something that they have to do with their family um i also think that it has also became more more determined to try my hardest and do my best and just be thankful for everything that we have and that god has given us and um, I and I try to carry that on over that message on over into my basketball players as well, mm-hmm. and I usually try to have a speaker come in and talk to them or whatever it is, or at least just get them motivated in that manner.
0: Mm-hmm. Who are some of the folks that you've had come to uh, talk to your team?
1: Um, I am going to try to reach out and get uh, Natalie Schneider. She's one of my friends that um, is actually an Olympian a Paralympian and she went through cancer in high school. And so that's my next one that I want to get. So that's the one I really wanted to Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, talk about that she would be a really good one to have. And then uh, most of the other ones are just people um, in our community.
0: Okay. What, uh, what are you looking for when, when, when you ask people to speak to your team, what are some of the things that you ask them to talk about? Or do you kind of give them a, a, a blank slate? Who, who are you, you know, from what type of backgrounds are you looking for when it comes to that stuff?
1: Uh, Really anything, just something that's motivating, and um, sometimes, you know, if we can't find anyone, we just do like a motivation video or anything, just anything, you know, to keep kids motivated and, I don't know, believing in themselves, and it's always just a good kickoff to start
0: the season. Mm -hmm. So it's something that you do early in the year? Yep, yep. Yep. Coaches are absolutely loving Are Taking Over a New Program Booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So as you said, you are a, a Midland grad, uh. Uh, you know, Fremont, Nebraska, uh, ventured into the big city compared to Taylor. Uh, you know, uh, and you played for uh, Leon and, and Joanne Bracker, and you know, uh, just legendary basketball coaches here in our state. I think you know Joanne's influence uh, has is still resonates today. And and just uh, unfortunately, just like with a lot of things, uh, as, as coaches move on uh, they are in, in a lot of ways you know quote unquote replaced by others uh, but but Joanne did so many things for for women and for basketball. In, in our state and, and nationwide. I mean, she was uh, one of the initial members, I believe, of the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. And so a lot of different things that, that went into her career. And you had the privilege of playing for her at, at Midland. Uh, you know, what were some of the things that you took from uh, playing for the Brackers that, you know, you still that you still use today or or that you saw and like, you know, hey, that's this, this is what's drawn me into coaching and, and things like that?
1: Yeah. Um, one thing let's make clear, I was not very good at basketball. (laughs) (laughs) I went there to Midland and I played one year and one year only. Um, but I learned so much from playing there. Um, I learned a lot from both of the Brockers, um, and also coach Prince. She was Mm -hmm. also, she was a JV coach at the time. Yep. And, um, I just learned so much from them and yes, they are very legendary coaches And really, uh, Coach Brocker is the one that actually uh, brought me into her office one day, and we were discussing on if I was going to go out for basketball again my sophomore year. And that's when um, she really led me in the direction of coaching. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for that. And I feel like I learned so much from her and from Leon and from Coach Prince um, just about the game of basketball.
0: Mm -hmm. What are are some of the things, you know, if you had to list three or four big things (laughs) that you took from that, what, what would it be?
1: Oh, goodness. it has been a long time since I graduated college. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm uh, well, not the one that said that. You're the one that said that. So,
1: Well, no. I just mean, like, probably more the passion and the desire and um, just kind of, you know, um, the importance of knowing the fundamentals of the game. And uh, uh, actually, Leon Brocker was such a... He was so good at teaching those little fundamentals, and I really took a lot from that from him. And Coach Brocker, just she was amazing about everything. I feel like her whole aspect on the game of basketball was just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Um, You're at a you're you're at a really really small uh, school, Tracy. Uh, How how big is your average class at St. Mary's?
1: I would say twelve. (laughs)
0: <laughs> gra- gra- your graduating class?
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. I would say they go between, um, I don't know, there's anywhere between 10, we'll say, to 25 yeah. in each class from grades kindergarten through 12th grade.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's and this is the great thing about a pen and a napkin, uh, you know, last week uh, by the time folks hear this, uh, we have a Division I men's head coach who coached you in the Big East, and the next week I'm talking to a, to a high school girls basketball coach who has, <laughs> you know, 10 to 25 kids in their entire graduating class. So there's so many things about basketball that brings us all together. Uh, you know, numbers are, are are an issue when it comes to our game. And, you know, how, how have you tried to – work through at, at a small school, and you've done a tremendous job of building a consistent winner at a small school uh, when there's a lot of things going against you to consistently being good. S- uh, so what do you think, uh, you know, what have you done to try and, you know, we're, we're going to get into later on, we're going to talk about practicing with less than 10 kids in a practice so i want you to kind of hold off on the the, (laughs) that part of it yet but uh you know just just consistently building that that program and if you have eight girls in a a class all together how do you get five or six of those girls involved in your basketball program you know what are what are some things that you've done to try to do that
1: you know I've really tried to go out and talk to the girls and try to convince them to come out for basketball. It doesn't always work. Sometimes they run the other direction uh, from me. But um, (laughs) (laughs) as far as I mean, there's always a a few girls that you really think that should be out that are not out. You really try to get them to come out, Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes they just it's just not there what they want to do. So you just try to make do with what you've got and really. Instead of complaining about it, I guess, just make do with what you've got.
0: Yeah. Uh, what are some ways, do you think? Now, again, your your limitations when it comes to numbers is just because of the environment that you have. But, you know, in in a lot of places, uh, we're, we're having two-quarter JV games, and, and we're talking C1 and B schools, and and some schools not even having JV teams. It just seems like it's getting harder and harder to have those numbers in basketball. What are some things that we can do uh, in our state, in nation, you know, nationwide to uh, get those numbers higher than, than what we have in a lot of different places? Because, uh, like I said, yeah, I mean, it just, it just seems like it's getting – uh, in In numerous schools we're seeing that more often than we ever have before.
1: I you know it blows my mind that um, we can have such big big and small schools that are all having kind of in the same boat here mm-hmm. um, I'm not really sure what the answer is to that. I just think we just got to keep promoting promoting basketball and promoting girls' basketball especially um, how awesome it is and just keep plugging away and hoping that we get more and more girls to come out.
0: Do you think some of it... Uh, uh, let me rephrase that. What do you think are some of the reasons why we're, we're struggling in that regard?
1: I don't know. I feel like some kids are um, maybe specializing in one sport and maybe not taking out other sports. Um, I think... I don't know. I, I could give you all kinds of reasons that I really think, but I don't really know. Maybe just that the drive isn't there as much as it was before. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. I, I feel like I, also maybe some of the kids, they're just in so many different things that they just start
0: cutting things out. I think that that's, I, I think you're right on everything that you said. Uh, I, I think that there's more opportunities to do different things, uh, I, I think. And, and kids are able to do that. Um, just as a like, a, I don't know, just crazy thing. You know, <laughs> Twenty-five years ago, snowboarding, nobody knew about it. But now, a kid right. at, in O'Neill, Nebraska, sees somebody on uh, TikTok and or YouTube or whatever. And they're <laughs> like, "Yeah, that looks cool. I want to try snowboarding," and they get hooked on snowboard. You know, so so that takes right. one kid away uh, or something like that. I think that the, the the pressure to specialize is is a big big part of it. I think our skill level in the game. Is in so many ways increasing. I think players are making plays, uh, especially on the girls' side, that they have never made before. You know, going back to when you and I were in college. You know, the, the level the, the level of play at the NAIA level is off the charts. Let alone going up to D two and Division one and all that other stuff. Uh, but you, in order to make those plays, in order to really compete you have to put in more and more time to develop more and more skill that might be part of it. Am I wrong with that, Tracy? Am I may, am, I mean, do I sound stupid? If I sound stupid, no. we'll, we'll, we'll edit it out. But I, I think <laughs> that, that, I think there's pressure to specialize, uh, because of, you know, the almighty scholarship, whatever, if it's, if it's softball, if it's volleyball, if it's soccer, whatever it may be. Um, I, I think there's, I think there's, I think there's a whole host of reasons. I mean, what, you know, What do you think?
1: I agree. I very much agree that um, maybe kids are seeing, yeah, maybe that basketball, maybe they're not the most skilled at, and there's someone else that's better than them, and so they may just think go go different avenues. I agree with that as well. But I think it's also we need to – put back into the reminders that it takes everyone that goes out to help make those players as skilled and as good as they can be. I feel like it takes the whole team, not just one or two or the starting five. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, we have to sell it that there's a role for everybody. And I think, uh, do you think we need to be more flexible sometimes as coaches?
1: Yes, I'm kind of learning that. Um, I do feel like we have to be a little bit more flexible with that, but at the same time still have expectations that need to be followed. But at the same time, maybe we need to be a little bit more flexible if they're in a whole bunch of different activities, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Is that part of you managing your program again at an extremely small school? (laughs) I'm guessing you have a lot of stuff to work around.
1: Oh yeah, we have lots, lots of stuff to work around. I mean, sometimes we need to have morning practices or um, an, a late evening practice just to work around everyone's workload. And then on top of that, they still have to study and, you know, get good grades and all of that. So I do think it is definitely a juggling task and you have to be willing to juggle your, your homework and um, traveling to games and all of that as well.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um- you uh, you're you're in a good run right now. You've got a, a talented group that I believe are going to be seniors, um, and and I think it's kind of interesting. You uh, as sophomores, you guys made it to the state semifinals. I think if if I read the internet correctly, you had six or seven losses that year, but you kind of peaked at the right time, went into the state tournament, got a win in the first round, and, and then you know lost in the semis. Uh, you made it back. Last season, I'm sorry if I'm picking at any scabs here. Uh, <laughs> you made it back, and you had a much better overall record, uh, but then you lost in you lost in the first round of the state tournament. Um, you know that's that's in some ways probably got to be a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow, Tracy.
1: It, it is very much and. Um... Sorry if anyone's listening out here. That's a Why Not fan, but you know, we we were playing Why Not and we did lose to them, and we've we've met up with them many times, and so, yep. um, you know, you're right. That is a hard pill to swallow.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, and, and I and I set that up by saying, you know, uh, it's it's this group's last hurrah. It's it's their last run. Uh, so has that refocused? Uh, some of your kids and, and, and how is, how is, how have you maybe used those circumstances to help uh, get your kids ready to go for this summer leading into the upcoming season here?
1: Absolutely. I feel like that maybe might've been some motivation Uh, That we needed, actually, because we put in a lot of hard work this summer and I feel like it has stemmed from still the sting of losing first round at state last year. Mm -hmm. And we will most definitely use that as motivation throughout this season. And um, the girls know that they've got to be coming in with the right head and work their tails off uh, to get back to those finals that we want to be in Mm
0: -hmm. how have your girls communicated that to you or or what's that process been like
1: yep i've already had the seniors come up to me right away at the beginning of the summer and just say they were excited to be seniors and that they were going to be great leaders and they're going to put in the time and the effort um this summer and into the Regular season, and I've already seen that with what they've done with the younger girls already this summer.
0: What are some things that you've seen from them that you're really, really happy with in that regard? You know, having that uh, that senior leadership. What are they? What are What are they doing to to put that into place?
1: Um, they're just pushing each other in the weight room and. They're, uh, all of them came to all of our skills camps and were very motivating in our skills camps. And I, I just see their level of play just keeps going up and up and up. And um, I've even seen them doing some outside of basketball things, like they're getting together, um, going to pool parties together, um, just different things that's going to keep them together as a team.
0: Coaches, do you want to look good? Pfft, stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Send me a direct message. Or you can email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. And I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. All right, Tracy, at this time, it is time for our John Wooden quote of the day uh, from Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. Coach Burke, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? Yes. Okay, all right, here we go. From page 159 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, the the John Wooden quote of the day is, I'd like to think that by game time my work was virtually done, that I could almost go up into the stands and watch the game without saying a word because my team was so well prepared. I would be able to tell by their effort and performance whether I had done my job in preparing them during the week. I love that. <laughs> why do you love it so much? Yeah, because I, I just can't say. I just can't let you say. I love that. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, why? Well, what what, what do hits think, home with you?
1: I do. I do say that a lot too. That really, hopefully, going into the game, it shouldn't come down to a lot of what us as coaches need to say like they should be able to just go out there and do it on their own without us having to say a whole lot mm-hmm. um, you hope that you've done a lot of end of game situational things or you hope that you've prepared them on um, pressure free throws or you've completed um, you know, talked about all of that prior to the game and I've always heard that always say that saying about that you should practice should almost be harder than the game situation. Yeah. So um, that's what you try to do and you hope that's what you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that uh, one of the lines that I've used with my players, the practices are the coaches times, the games are the players times. And, and so go out, play your tail off, play with your hair on fire. And, and let it rip and, and we as coaches are are at that point we're just trying to keep the rudder going, you know, keep the ship straight. Uh practice time is, is when we need to dominate. It's when we need to win. And then we turn it over to the players. And and that's that's something that I've used with my players. Have you ever used anything like that, Tracy?
1: Yeah. And, you know, one thing I liked about this summer is we go to the Concordia basketball camp um, in Seward, and I like that they um, have a situational um, bracket of play where you only play for two minutes and the score is 0-0 and you play for two minutes. Uh I really like that in the summer as, you know, kind of um, getting your uh, game brain going and trying to figure out situational um, opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine Drew Olson would do something really, really good. I say that firmly tongue in cheek because, uh, Drew does a great job with everything he does there at Concordia. Here's this Briarcliff guy giving Concordia, giving Midland their flowers. I don't know if they're going to let me back for my alumni reunion. So, um, Tracy, let's start getting into your philosophy uh the stuff that uh, that you do there at O'Neill St. Mary's and and one of the things that uh I, I you know the thing I want to start off with which I think is very unique to your situation uh you, you, you said that the last few years that uh there's been multiple seasons where you haven't had 10 girls out for basketball and so it's been difficult for you to go 5 on 5 obviously if you don't have at least 10 girls out in practice so um you know, I, I think, you know, the for, for coaches that are listening from a, a school or in a situation like yours, uh, you know, I, I think that's the number one thing we need to talk about. This is a, a unique circumstance for uh, a pen and a napkin and our listeners, uh, you know, so I want to jump in with that here. You know, what are what are some things that, that you do in your practice or that you've that you have done in your practices when you've had less than 10 girls to get your kids' game ready um, I'm, uh, you know so I'm gonna kind of let you as I say here pretty much a, a lot of the time most of the time when we get to this point I'm gonna kind of let you cook here a little bit and and when I need to interrupt I'll try to do polite uh, do, try to do it politely here but uh, you know just just tell us kind of how, how you navigate this situation.
1: Well, I think um, since this is kind of becoming an issue throughout the whole state of, you know, even even I would say 15 girls or less, it's kind of become an issue um, because even if you have 15 girls out, you still have days where there's going to be girls that are sick, gone, whatnot. So a lot of times you do have less than 10 players. And what I've kind of adapted to is uh, we've kind of changed the way that we run in practice now that we have so few girls this year. I have exactly 10. Mm -hmm. girls so i hope it stays that way to begin with but but um one of the things that i've done a lot more of is stations i do a lot of stations where we just even have two to three girls in each station and you rotate every uh we do ours in four minute segments and you go through our stations and we just rotate real quick 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 it might be a shooting shooting drill or whatnot we just try to get through it four minutes rotate and get through that uh the other thing that we spend a lot of time on is three on three um two on two one on one doing those kinds of drills and um we also spend a lot of time of doing transition drills that are where we um start out with you know like a one-on-one situation, build up to two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four. Mm-hmm. And if we have enough, then we get, um, get into a five-on-five situation. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, a lot of it is sometimes you have managers that have to step in just uh, kind of as bodies mm-hmm. <laughs> and to run a drill, which is needed. Or you find I've had to be creative in creating drills um, where we only need um, eight to ten girls
0: mm-hmm. so. uh, does that especially on offense does that or, or has that circumstance k- kind of influenced your offensive philosophy and, and, and here's what I mean by that coach you you play a lot of three on three well we you know unless you're growing up in Iowa in the 60s and the 70s there's not <laughs> a lot of three on three plays. So your your kids are just making reads and reacts and they're just, you know, they're just playing the game kind of the way it was intended to play. So when you get five on five, because you don't have as much opportunity to run five on five, you know, offense versus defense when you're playing, when you finally get into that five on five situation, is it a little bit more, Hey, just here's, here's some principles. Here's some concepts go out there and let's play some basketball.
1: Yeah, we've moved a lot. I've moved my offense a lot more into a motion offense where you pass, cut, pass, screen away, um, doing those kinds of things as opposed to actual set offenses. I mean, we have a few set plays, but for the most part, it's a and react for the... Um, as far as we go, we like to do a lot of transition offense. So um, even on a made basket, I mean, we get that ball out, we try to get up the floor before the defense is set. Um, and I feel like we... Kind of have to run that way just since we can't do so much of five on five in practice. I just feel like that seems to work for our system.
0: Mm -hmm. What are some of your, when you do get five on five, uh, what are some of your five on five, you know, your offensive concepts what are some things that you're emphasizing uh, is it a lot of ball screen is it a you know pass and cut uh what are so? is it four out one in what are some different what what are you doing and and how are you implementing that what are some of the rules that you might have there
1: right well we um usually try to do a four out one in Uh, We have some really good outside shooters, and then we have a couple of good post players that we can kind of rotate them in as as opposed to who's our one in. But we like to just uh, keep the ball moving and pass it, cut, uh, screen for the girls that are our shooters. Sometimes we just delegate girls that your job is screening and that's what your job's going to be. And then we like to do a lot of high-low with our post players
0: as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Does this circumstance because I know sometimes we as 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 coaches we get tempted we feel like well we've got to do more scrimmaging we've got to do more up and down this and that do you feel like in some ways when you get into those circumstances where you have this you know less than 10 kids that this actually helps your fundamental development because you are forced to just by the sheer number Of players that you have you're forced to just you know break it down three on three two on two and and it's it's those small-sided type of situations that that help uh, build your team up
1: yes and no i believe yes that it does because then we, we do know those principles of it but sometimes you really need that second group of five, six or seven. So I like to play um, going against a, t- a defense of seven, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes just make it t- tougher. So sometimes I do feel like, oh, if we could just have more in practice, that we could have actually went over that a little bit better. Um, but as far as just playing the game, I feel like we've got that down pretty well. But I think there are times um, and situations maybe at the end of a game that maybe we weren't as well prepared Prepared just to, For that reason, like if we needed something, maybe that was more set Um, going against a really good second team, maybe could have helped us. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense? No,
0: no, that does. You know, because that is a disadvantage of it is you don't have that. Okay, hey, we're we're up one. There's 25 seconds left, right? And we're taking it out on the side. We know we're going to get trapped, or you know, something's going to happen here. Uh, That's the. Negative part of it, I I would imagine. Is 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 that where you're where you're going, Tracy? Yeah,
1: that's where I'm going with there. Is that I feel like sometimes that that's where we're at a disadvantage, and I also feel sometimes if we could have had four quarters of JV, our younger girls, you know, would be a little bit more prepared in that way too. So also, you're taking freshmen and throwing them in, going against seniors. I feel like at times that that's a little alarming as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing that. In as we've tried to rebuild our program, uh, that's been difficult for us. Now, this last year, you know, we were ready to play four quarters of JV every night out, uh, but my first two years, uh, we did not have that opportunity as much. And those are those reps are important reps, especially, uh, you know, for, for most schools, not, not everybody's going right. to be in that situation, but for most schools, you need those 32 minutes of JV ball to develop those freshmen and sophomores so that, and, and, and you hope that you get to a situation where you're, you're, you know, okay, you have, you can kind of walk and chew gum at the same time. We've got to rush you <laughs> up to varsity because we have to have you there. Um, you know, the ideal situation is take that kid, let them develop at that that JV level for a year, and then let them be a role player as a sophomore. And now you're ready for prime time as a junior and senior. So I, I, I'm sure that's absolutely part of it for you as well, because I know I felt that pain as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm not saying that freshmen can't come in and play right away, but what absolutely. I am saying is yeah. that they need that. Just even to settle in, get, get a JV game in, get settled in, start getting comfortable with, you know, actual game situational stuff that maybe we didn't get to even go over in practice. I think I, that's why I really feel like JV is so important.
0: Yeah, being able to experiment and be able to right. succeed or fail and not have it hurt the overall product, so to speak. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you, you said you like to run. You said you like to run. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, transition offensive philosophy, Coach.
1: Um, we just, like, we want to get that ball out as fast as possible, and I'm sure it's just about, like, um, anyone's uh, transitional offense. We want to try to get it out, obviously, to a guard and run your – postman down the middle um if we can't hit our first one we hit our trailer our second post going uh in down the middle of the lane if that's not open we reverse and then do a ball pick and attack the hoop try to attack attack the hoop off the dribble
0: Mhm do you do you outlet it to the right side every single time or is it either side wherever the point guard is uh what are some ways that you implement that
1: Um I personally don't care if they go right or left. I, I feel like we have good enough guards that we just go right or left, whichever we can, as quickly as possible, and push the ball ahead. Um, I feel like we have decent ball handlers that we can just get it down the floor as quickly as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you designate a side for the two and the three, or is it just, hey, if you see Mary running this side, Becky, you get to this side, or or how does that work for you?
1: No, but I've learned over the years, I feel like I feel like it's better if you tell one girl that they're going to this side and the other girl is going to the other side. I feel like that's just um, less of a communication or like they each know their job and they know where they're going. I feel like that works a little bit better for me. Um, I used to just say go wherever, but now I just think it works better. You're on the right side, you're on the left side, you're going to go. And mm. if they have to cross each other, they cross each other. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> what are some ways that you implement this into practice uh, again you know how do you how do you do this in practice to have it carry over to games order what, what are some things that you do five on o or, or three on o uh, getting up and down uh, five on five when you have the opportunity uh, how are you working on that transition game and offense so it carries over into your competitions
1: um, yeah we just do a bunch of transition drills that are just, Um, A lot of it is five on zero. It's just um, getting it out, going as quickly as you can. Sometimes it's five on four, five on three, five on two. Um, You know, just trying to make it a little bit game-like with what we've got. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, just repeat that over and over and over.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you do some stuff against the clock?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. We try to get get the clock. We use the clock every day in practice um, using that. And you just do situational things as
0: well. Yeah, like what? Like, tell us tell us some of the things that you do there.
1: Um, like, um, we could say even if, like, you're down by five or down by three with a certain amount of time or we, um... You know, games tied. Here's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that you can do, even like or end of the quarter play. Like we have one play that we always run at the end of a quarter if we have the basketball. Um, we run that um, in practice. We run that in games. Mm-hmm. Um, an end of a halftime play is a different play, so we run that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. What uh, uh, transition wise? What do you do against the clock? Like you know, we got to make you know, like one of the things we do is you got to make five you know, each player's got to make a layup in 36 seconds. You know, we got to go up and down two and a half times or something like that, five on zero, or, you know, things like that. Is is that some of the stuff that you do with your transition as well?
1: Yeah, and, like, we'll call it out, like, one, two, three, four, five, and, like, that's the person that is going to be the one that's going to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, you just the numbers on the floor and that you go, and they have to end up with that person. And they have to get that shot off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we do that, and they have to... You have to make it, and yeah, yeah, you'll have a, um, like a 30-second time frame to get down and back. And...
0: A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin Video Library. Let's jump to your transition defense if you're playing fast on on offense you're probably going to want to play fast on defense what's kind of your 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 defensive philosophy coach uh you know man-to-man zone full court half court if it's full court is it a is it a diamond is it you know what, what are some things that you do and again how do you implement that what are some things that you do to teach it what are some drills that you do to break it down uh just let's just let us let us behind the curtain of the O'Neill St. Mary's girls basketball defensive philosophy here, coach.
1: Well, we have implemented in the last two years, we've been running a one two two. Mm-hmm. I know that maybe is a little strange, but um, we have some very athletic girls right now, and we actually run our top girl. Um, who's playing up at the top, we drop her all the way down to the bottom. So, like, if the ball on offense gets to the corner, yep. our down-low girl goes out on that girl in the corner, and our top girl drops all the way down to play defense on the block.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so um, we've had a lot of success with that. Um, so that's our go-to defense Um when we need to, then we switch over to man-to-man. Or sometimes we like to switch it up, um, like if they're shooting a free throw, we go into a full court man-to-man. On a made free throw, we go full court man-to-man. On a missed free throw, we may drop back into our one-two-two. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not opposed to either playing some junk defense if needed.
0: Mm-hmm. When that girl comes down on the yo-yo there, are you, do you want her? to get a full front are you playing like a three-quarter top side or you put you know how do you how do you how do you no, want we, her to play that
1: we do a full front mm-hmm. um so she just drops straight down full fronts um we're lucky that she is a little taller too so that helps um just very very athletic i mean you have to have a pretty good athlete on that to point at the top there to be able to make it there in time i mean a lot of times it looks like that bottom girl is wide open but by the time she gets there she's no longer open so mm-hmm. that's Mm -hmm. that's where we've had a lot of success in that and um a lot of teams that we play well i guess around our area now know that we run that a lot but when we go other places um they don't really know how it looks kind of like man-to-man to to begin with Mm -hmm. but then you can easily figure it out that it's a one-two-two
0: yeah what uh you know what are some other rules that you have with that one-two-two are you are you are you pushing the ball a certain direction Um, what are your off kids doing? What are some key points that you're trying to take away? So forth and so on.
1: Yep. We always try to make them go to their off hand. Um, especially their, the point guard trying to make them go left to right, depending on if she's right-handed or left-handed. And, um, everyone knows that in a one two two the most susceptible is the high post area so that's probably one of our weaknesses that we try that we're really trying to improve on is pinching in that middle and then still allowing us time to get out on the wings so that's um, something that we're gonna continue to work on uh, again this year but um, yeah just that's what we usually try to do go with our lead them to their offhand and be ultra aggressive out of it
0: too. Uh-huh uh in your in your heart of hearts now we, we we do what we we need to do to win uh and and we match that up with with the talent that we have uh but you know what what do you do? To mesh that that zone philosophy and also carry it over to your man to man and and make those two things work together do you are you are you still put you know pushing that weak hand are we still are we taking away the middle uh, you know different things like that?
1: yep, I try to do this um, same principles in zone as we do man, um, and I always say that just because we're in zone doesn't mean that we need to get lazy or um, make things a little bit easier. Um, So I just try to really Use the same principles So it's not that much of an adjustment Um, Ideally I'd love to do a run and jump Attack, you know, at all times But sometimes when you don't have that many players It's hard to do that, you wear them out pretty easily So um, I just like to switch it up Go on man, go zone Go full court, go half court Just kind of depending on the situation
0: What's a couple of your favorite Defensive drills?
1: Um Let's see. One of my favorite defensive drills is um, one where you actually have to, you take a charge, you have to get up, you have to dive after a ball uh, for a loose ball, and then you have to get up again and go and try to get a steal and go the other direction in for a layup. Hmm. That's one of my favorite drills. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's... Pretty vicious there so
1: it is pretty vicious and no. then all, always just uh, full court pressing we do a uh, diamond press and so we like to do a lot of those um, those drills as well
0: mm-hmm. um, we, we actually have one we, we call it defensive gauntlet and we we kind of in a short amount of time our kids work on everything that they're supposed to work on in theory so you know <laughs> they you know they, they, they keep the ball pinned on the side and then we swing it to the middle. Um, at the top of the key So they start on, let's say, the right baseline And the, the ball handler has the ball And they dribble up the side and the, and the defender's supposed to keep him there on the side And then they, 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 they swing it to another girl At the top of the key And the defender goes over And she closes out And she mirrors the ball And then we blow the whistle She moves it to a girl on the other wing And she, she's doing a straight line drive and our girl is supposed to close out and not let her get to the middle. That's the that's that part of it. And then and this the defensive player is doing the same thing. Or it's the same defensive player the entire time. So then they kick it to the corner and she drives in and now she's got to take a charge. And so and then we have everybody yell charge and we talk about tucking your <laughs> chin and doing this. And then she's got to get up off the floor and the girl that dribbled the ball in to Draw the charge, she kicks it to a, a girl at the opposite elbow and um, she shoots a shot. Now she's got to get up off the floor and she's got to go box that girl out and go get the rebound. And then she makes the outlet pass to me. And then I take it and I throw the ball on the floor, kind of roll it in a direction. She's got to dive on the floor. She ends the drill by diving on the floor, and then everybody on the team has to come over and pick her up. And if, if everybody doesn't come over, then she's got to do that drill again. So it's on, it's on everybody.
1: I like like, that.
0: Yeah. So we call, we call that our defensive gauntlet. And, uh, if anybody's listening, I probably explained it as clear as mud. Uh, but if, if anybody wants to drill, I'm more than willing to share it. Our, our kids, they really like it. You know, they're, they're, they're yelling at each other and it, 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 picks things up. It picks up the intensity on a, on a daily basis. So, um, we really like that one. So, um, coach let's talk about rebounding let's end on let's end on some rebounding here Tracy so uh, let's let's talk about both ends uh, let's go into first though uh, between the two let's talk about your offensive rebounding philosophy in the sense of um, Are you sending three to the board? Are you sending whoever to the board? Do you have a designated get-back person? Uh, What are some things that you do with your offensive rebounding philosophy that leads into your defensive transition philosophy?
1: Uh, My offensive rebound philosophy is we only send one back, Mm -hmm. and everyone else hits the boards. Um, And then um, defensive, or are we just going to go offense here?
0: Well, wow, yeah, we can just talk about offense. You know, I mean, is it is it like the point guard? Is it the same girl every time, or is it the you know the top girl? If you're the top girl, you get back. You know how how do you how do you yep, figure that?
1: Uh, we do it. Whoever rotates up to the top, then mm-hmm. they become. Unless obviously, unless their girl is shooting, then they'll box them out first and then get back. But for the most part, um, we just have the girl that's rotated to the top gets back um, on defense. So we delegate. You know. Mm-hmm. To about two girls that are going to be the ones that are getting back and everyone else is crashing the
0: board's hard. Okay, all right. Um, def- or, uh, just defensive rebounding in general, uh, what are some things that you emphasize when it comes to your rebounding? What's maybe a couple of your favorite rebounding drills that, that you like to run there at St. Mary's?
1: Um, defensively, where that's I would say rebounding is probably one of our weaknesses, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but um, we like to just do the we box out, go box out hard, and then we go once we get that rebound. but um probably one of my favorite drills is Superman drill, mm-hmm. where everyone's there's no rules. um, you throw it off the backboard and it's three on three going after it. well each of them are on their own but they're trying to get a score and um, you can foul them you can pretty much do everything but tackle them yeah. in that game I just feel like that's a really good way to get trying to shoot through a contact and trying to remember that you've got to box out to get the rebound and go up hard
0: yeah we call that one warrior rebounding like kind of the same thing um, sometimes we do it individually so you know it's just Everybody's got to go through two times or whatever it may be. Sometimes we, we put them into like three teams. And so we've got the, the black team, the orange team, and then we've got an extra set of, of, of blues uh, that we wear. So, you know, we put six and six and six. And whichever team gets their kids through twice, you know, they're the winners. Uh, that type of thing. And, yeah, it, it uh, you kind of got to call off the dogs there a little bit sometimes. At least you have to in our gym. How about yours?
1: absolutely yeah sometimes it gets pretty vicious
0: yeah <laughs> back off ladies please so um, and then the,
1: the other one that we like to do is just it's essentially like a shell drill which is a shell drill rebounding drill where you pass the ball around a certain amount of times you know and then shot goes up and everybody just has to box out and you have to do that um, a certain number of times mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, how much time do you spend in practice on on rebounding
1: I'm going to be spending a lot more this uh, <laughs> this season, that's for sure. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, uh,
0: yeah, you know it's yeah we just we emphasize it every drill. Uh, you know you, you got to make those choices, and we probably do one rebounding drill a day, uh, but we try to emphasize it every drill. You know because right. we want to do as much offense defense as we can. And and I we're getting better at it. We're getting better at rebounding. And obviously, you know, uh, in year four, just by you know, just the classes that have gone through, we've we've gotten a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger every year. And obviously, that helps your rebounding numbers as well. Right. right. Yeah, so, Tracy Berg, head girls basketball coach at O'Neill St. Mary's High School in O'Neill, Nebraska. Coach Berg, you have completed your first appearance on a pen and a napkin. How does it feel?
1: (laughs) I actually feel very honored that you asked me to be on here today. I take a lot from listening to your podcasts and I really enjoy it. So thank you very much.
0: Well, you know, you've done a great job. I, I really hope you uh, get another gold medal this year. Nothing against anybody else in D two, uh, but uh, you know I know you've got a really good group of seniors this year, and, and I and uh, I know they're going to be hungry. And and uh, you know I wish you nothing but the best. And and I'm I'm sure I'll see you around the circuit as we get going here. Uh, before we completely sign off with you here, uh, if, if folks want to know more about you, if they want to know more about your uh, school or your program, what are some ways they could find out about it?
1: Um, you could just, um, call or email me, um, just Tracy Berg and, um, my, um, and I teach at Saint Mary's, mm-hmm. so do you, should I give them my email address? I,
0: that's up to you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's, 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 uh, I turn this over to you at you at this point.
1: <laughs> oh, sure, you're more than welcome to reach out at tberg at Yep.
0: Okay. There it is. So, uh, and now you will get flooded flooded with. Uh, <laughs> Emails from gateway2000.com or something like that. So.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, Tracy, uh, thanks so much for coming on. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, I, uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun talking to you here today. So, um if you could hold the line just a second here, got a couple things to wrap up. So, uh, again, Tracy Berg, girls basketball coach O'Neill St. Mary's High School, O'Neill, Nebraska. She's got a great program up there. Does a terrific job uh, with with her young ladies. So, uh, send her an email. Even if you're not from Gateway 2000, go ahead and send her an email, and she'll help you out with anything that she's got there. So, uh, again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Coset Chiropractic, for sponsoring the pod. Uh, follow us on Twitter at A Pen and a Napkin. Download, rate, review this. Give us five stars. Give us a nice review. Uh, the more people that do that, the, the higher we go up in the ratings. Like I said, we're trying to help coaches. That's the number one thing that we're trying to do here at A Pen and a Napkin. So if you could just take the time, if you take 10 seconds to do that. It doesn't even take that long, probably. But, uh, you know, for, for most of you, it takes five seconds. For me, it'd probably take 20. But uh, take the time to do that. Email me uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas. A Pen and a Napkin at gmail.com. And of course course check out a and napkin.com uh, a lot of great stuff on there to help coaches out so coaches as always let's be sure to hone our craft one day